0: The Outspoken Bible: Conversations About the Word, a podcast from Scottish Bible Society. Hello, and welcome to season five, episode eight of the Outspoken Bible. I'm Fiona Stewart, and I'm joined by Jen Robertson. Hello, hello, and Neil Glover. Hello, hello. Jen, you're not at home today.
1: No, I'm in the uh, the office, Bible House, the home HQ, of the home of the Scottish Bible Society. Now,
0: you are in your usual space.
2: Surrounded by the hills of Aberfeldy. Someone oh, should lovely. write a song about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, um, last time... you get time... the reference there? No, I didn't. That's oh, right, why sorry. I moved it on. Ed, Is that Ed, Ed
2: Sheeran has just released a song called Hills of Aberfeldy.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Do you like it?
2: Uh, first time I listened to it, uh, I thought it was a bit... I was wondering where it was going, but I trust... Uh, Foy Vance was also involved in it, Um, who lives here. Uh, so I trust Foy so yeah I'm going to listen to it a few more times
0: and was Ed around when was he in Aberfeldy I'm guessing so I mean he occasionally occasionally pops by of course he does (laughs) (laughs) I feel your life is full of glitz and glamour in a way that ours is not
2: oh no it's just we have the odd celebrity and then we cling on to them Yeah. yeah Are we allowed to publicize? I mean he could do with a he could do with a push, couldn't he, Ed Sheeran? Yeah, I
0: mean he's not doing that well, is he, Ed Sheeran? I mean, yeah. if only he would publicize us, that would be the that would be what we'd be really after.
2: Do, do you know what I did do? I this is the one time I've exploited that connection. I had a friend who whose daughter was unwell and really needed to get into the um disabled or or I don't know what what's the best word, the accessible. disabled sex accessible, accessible area yeah. of a concert. And um I got a. I made use of those connections and uh, to an Ed Sheeran concert, and uh, it was arranged. That's oh,
0: nice. That's lovely.
2: That's the only time I've exploited it.
0: There you go. I, I feel so. I don't know if I'm having deja vu, but I feel I've heard you tell that before. I'm not sure if it's been on here, so it's good that it's. It, um, it all
2: merges into one. <laughs>
0: it all merges after a while, exactly. Now, uh, last time we had a flurry, a slew, a plethora of correspondence. I realise, by the way, sometimes I use these words and I don't know what they actually mean in their original context. <laughs> um but we did have a, a plethora, and uh, because of the vagaries of podcast production, it means that this time we have nothing because uh, the most recent episode, the the, the the most recent episode that the three of us are in, um, has only just gone up today on the day of recording. So I'm hoping that by the time we record the third episode on Acts, we'll be into a rhythm of emails and the like. And so, of course, if you would like to get in touch with us, the address is outspoken at ScottishBibleSociety dot and uh, just a little plug, I suppose, for the website, the Scottish Bible Society website. If you've not been in, on there for a while, that was relaunched. There's been a bit of a relaunch of the, the brand and um, different colours. But it's not just about the colours. It's also about what's available to you on the website. If you go to ScottishBibleSociety.org, you can have a look at all of that. And in particular, you could it takes you, if you go looking for Love, Death and Resurrection, which is the most recently produced copy of the New Testament, not in its traditional order, and that's linked to something called the Community Bible Experience. Um, so if you're looking for something to do with your church or as an individual, then check out Society.org for that. Now Neil, everyone is still pondering the connection, I think, between your, or amongst your B-list characters. So just to recap, before you do your Glover's Other today, we've had Bilha, we've had Jethro, Aaron, Balaam, Joshua, Rahab, and last time we had Jephthah's daughter. It's time for character number eight. Who on earth are they? Where do they fit in? And what's their story? Glover's Others. B-list characters you really don't want to miss. Neil, who is your Glover's Other today?
2: Glover's Other is called Mr So-and-so. (laughs) <laughs> he is the character that appears as the next of kin in the last chapter of Ruth and the story is that Ruth and Boaz have formed something of a connection and now they're going to exploit kinsman, redeemer, leveret, marriage law all mixed up to try and get them together. Unfortunately there's someone who's got more rights on the, the dead person's field and Ruth possibly herself than Boaz does so he needs to be pushed out of the way and his name is it's simply called Mister So and So. In Hebrew, it's uh, Mister Palmoni Almoni, and it's just an anonymous name. And what's really interesting is that in Ruth, names really count. At the very end of the book, it says, "Your name will be called out in Ephrath." Names really matter. So if you don't have a name, you're, you're submerged. You're 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 invisible, and that's not great. But we also kind of need this guy to get out of the way. He he. We need him to be this in order for Ruth and Boaz to get together. So I'm just curious, is he a good guy because he realised his place and quietly and gently moved out of the way? Or is he a kind of slightly warning figure because slight, like he turned down the chance of being with Ruth, who turned out to be fantastic. So I don't know. What do you think? It's, a, it's really
0: interesting. I, I just had to flick back to find him again. I think, I don't know. It's hard to t- to say without very much information on him. I, I think what I observe in that um, interaction between him and Boaz is Boaz kind of plays him very well, doesn't mm-hmm,
2: he? Mm-hmm.
0: So Boaz has the measure of him.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: As uh, So does that mean he's a bit stupid or he's a bit, is Boaz kind of setting, you know, does Boaz think, oh, he's going to want the land?
2: Yeah.
0: So I'm going to set it up in such a way that he realizes he doesn't want the land. I, I don't know, I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's it's really weird, isn't it? And you know, is is this guy turning down a benefit because he's going to sort out the land, but he just he's worried about taking in Ruth? I don't know. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I'm kind of interested in him, I suppose, because I suppose there are lots of characters, people in life who who take on the mask of anonymity. Is that is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Do you always want your name to be known? I don't know. It it they he is representative, Mister So and So, of Lots of people. I, I, I'm just intrigued by him. I'm really intrigued by him. Uh-oh. He is. He is the B side of all B sides.
0: <laughs> yes, he is. What did you say that the Hebrew word was?
2: Palmoni almoni. That's a good In name, rhymes, isn't it? Palmoni, al- almoni. Palmoni almoni. Palmoni almoni.
0: That's um. very good,
1: Jen. What do you think of him? Is I mean, is there something about him throwing shoes? Is that a difference? Yeah, yeah. No, it's yes, part of they, it. Yeah, yeah, he takes off his shoe, yeah, which really.
2: is also seen as a kind of a. A kind of depersonalization effect that you kind of yeah you lose something which is yours. It's all loss and anonymity. And,
0: is that is that, that not the to do with the property transaction as well though?
2: Yeah, yeah, but it's it's got all sorts of symbolic uh, meaning as well. Yeah.
1: And did we talk about when we did our podcast on Ruth? Uh, I don't
0: know if we, we did. did. Yeah. And I can't remember much. I mean, he's not. He's obviously not memorable.
2: If if we can, if we <laughs> can't remember, isn't he? who can? <laughs>
0: Mr. Cellophane. yeah, what's up? Cellophane? Oh, that's that... from Chicago. You oh, can right. see right through me. What? Right, I can't. remember I can't remember what the line is, but it's it's, it's uh, a very sad song.
2: There's a verb. Oh no, it, it was written about Richard Ashcroft. Um, As he faced the sun, he cast no shadow. Oh, oh a dear, that's a song, awful. Wasn't it? Mm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel. I actually feel <laughs> I want him to be more. Mm-hmm. I I feel that I that hiding and fitting in isn't what life requires of us it's it's the quirks it's the preparedness to be a little bit different so ultimately i think i fall on the side of don't be palmoni almoni
0: very good well listen thank you remember folks there is the prize of a drive with elaine duncan that's getting increasingly (laughs) um uh, one sounding this prize isn't it and a copy of love death and resurrection still available and in fact i have um, still not checked with sbs whether they're willing to fund this prize of a free book that i'm giving away so there's every possibility i might have to send my copy so let's up the ante let's make it a signed copy from all three of us ah. <laughs> i don't know when we're going to manage to actually do that because we hardly ever see each other in person but you know somebody who can make this connection gets a the, signed the cost
2: copy. of getting us to the same place will be significantly more <laughs> than the value Toastage. of the prize
0: that's it neil we'll just take it to the person's house
2: Yeah, it would help if you lived near Falkirk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Anyway, get in touch, even if you don't want the prize, by um, emailing outspoken at scotchbiblesociety.org with your suggestions. Now, last time we began with a very gripping conversation about Acts chapter one. Jesus had ascended to heaven and the disciples were waiting in Jerusalem as instructed. This time we find ourselves in a chapter that changes the direction of... the whole story. So if you haven't read Acts chapter 2 for a while, this is the moment to pause the podcast and do that. And uh, of course there's a link to Bible Gateway in the show notes if you don't have access any other way. But here we are, Acts chapter 2. Jen, do you want to kick us off? We left them kind of cowering in this room, didn't we?
1: Yeah, I, th- I, was, I, I was I was encouraged. Um, I mean, I know it says when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, and I suppose you could read that as because it was Pentecost, they all got together. But I got the sense that uh, they'd kept on meeting together since Jesus had gone away, I, and th- I think that's quite incredible and and maybe overlooked because you know the the Holy Spirit hadn't arrived, Jesus is gone, and yet who Jesus was to them must have been significant enough for them to keep on waiting because Jesus told them to wait, hadn't they? So, you know, these people, you know, they're quite admirable, really, aren't they, that they they didn't give up. I mean, I wonder if I would just have been like, oh, you know, well, yeah, Jesus said that, but it's not going to happen, is it? So I might just go away and do something else.
2: And that's kind of the picture you get in John's gospel, isn't it? Yeah. When they all go fishing
1: yes exactly yeah and
0: pentecost itself is is funny isn't it <laughs> it's we we always associate because because well if you've been around church and around the bible for a while you kind of associate always pentecost with this episode mm-hmm. but there was a pre-existing festival so there's a reason that all these people would have been in jerusalem and that's connected to moses and mount sinai
2: yeah is it says. booths i i should have che- it's the greek word for booths isn't it is it or is it I different? I think it might be. Well, I, mean, it's I think the... that comes later. So, oh, we should have checked this. From um, or I should have done. You did.
1: Hang on. I don't think it's the booths. No. I think that's another one. that Because we've talked about that when we talked about the festivals in John. Pentecost is, I, I mean, it's about Moses, but it's also about harvest and gathering in. Yes,
0: yes. It's yeah. Five weeks, isn't it? Yes. Five
2: weeks and something.
0: Five weeks from Passover. Yeah. yeah. And and it's to, it is to do with the harvest, but it's also... Associated with Moses going up the mountain and receiving the the law, so there's a reason they're all there. Yeah. And suddenly, this extraordinary thing happens. What are we making of what goes on in the in the you know what it might have been like to be there in that moment?
1: I think my problem with this is that so often in church services, well, maybe not as much as my experience, uh, we try to sort of reenact it. And so when I read it, I think of things like. Like, take, I've taken a big fan, you know, like, not a fan, as in somebody who supports Motherwell, but, you know, like a, a spinning fan that makes the air move. Anyway, so you, you try and create wind by putting on a fan and then children quite often make head, headdresses that have got wee flames, wee, wee cardboard flames, wee orange can
2: flames. You ma- can you imagine what it's like if Gordon Roy has taught you to fire breathe? <laughs> as he has me. But Gordon Roy has taught a lot of people to fire breathe.
1: But that's more authentic, isn't it? So, because when I was reading this in preparation for today, I was thinking, this is—it just would have been incredible. Mm. Like you're inside, and suddenly it feels like you're in an incredible storm, and things are blown about, and your hair's blown around, and you know, maybe maybe you can't speak because it's a violent wind. It's not like, ooh, you know, like a wee Mm -hmm. a wee
0: gust. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be quite terrifying.
1: Yeah. And then There's fire floating about. There's fire, yeah. I mean, where did yeah. it come from? And uh
2: huh, someone, um, one of the Matthias, the new disciple, he's in charge of health and safety. He's like,
1: <laughs> What? <laughs> well, can you imagine now? It'd be like, empty out, you know.
0: Yes,
2: but it's terrifying. It is genuine, it's a yes. mass, it's a power, isn't it? It's, yep. um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. And it, and what is interesting about the language is it's, um, it's a sound like the rush of a violent wind, um, it. Um, divided tongues as of fire. That there's something about language can't quite get there. Yeah, so it,
0: grasping for something. Yeah,
2: it's like fire. It's like a wind. Yeah, there's something. It's it's completely outside the boundaries of what you expect.
0: And it's interesting, isn't it, that we we know about it because it 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 doesn't seem to be happening out in the streets. No, no that bit doesn't. Seems doesn't to it. happen before they go out, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and yet we know about it because sometimes i think you know when when maybe when you have a a significant spiritual encounter and we might pick up on this later on you know we, we we tend to maybe want to keep that to ourselves and we feel we don't want to make a you know end up bragging about it somehow but we but Luke makes it very clear that this is what happens he tries to find the language to explain mm-hmm. what's happening
2: yeah happened. yeah maybe it's really important it's corporate. It's important, yeah, because Paul Paul does that in Second Corinthians where he's had a spiritual experience and he, he descri- it's almost certainly him. He describes it in the third person. Mm-hmm. But you're right. This this I think it's because it's corporately owned. It's not just them, and it's key to understanding what's going on. I like the fact there's a tongue on each of them, so yes. it, it, it's a general experience, but also it's very specific. And it also it's the great, in some senses, every single other miracle. Maybe we don't have proof of we we've almost got proof of this miracle because something needed to have happened uh-huh. to turn that bunch of ragtag disciples into the phenomenon which became the church, and mm-hmm. this is this is it. Mm-hmm.
0: And of course, th- we as readers, but they also were anticipating that something would happen. I, I find that really interesting. I wonder what they thought was going to happen when the Holy Spirit came. <laughs> Do Definitely you think? Not this.
2: Yeah. I think- I don't think they were. I, am, I I know Jesus had told them to expect it, but it's almost like they, it's what we talked about last time. They, they don't, I, I was checking this. There doesn't seem to be many prayers where they're saying send Holy Spirit, for example. It's It's all about, you know, we need to replace Judas and all that kind of stuff. It's all, I, I don't know, but it, it feels to me like they've almost said to Jesus, yeah, yeah, thanks, you know, but we'll just keep praying. Uh-huh. There's something about that Acts chapter one world, which is quite interesting.
0: Uh huh. And, and I mean, and we we've talked about this. When we talked about John because obviously, you know, there's the the promise of the Advocate and so on. But mm. um, they they do consistently forget what they've been told, or misinterpret yeah, yeah. what they've been told, or underestimate what God is going to do.
2: Mm. Yeah, Jesus has told them so many times that mm-hmm. he's going to be crucified and raised, mm-hmm. and, and, and they the, don't they don't clock yeah. it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they have this phenomenal corporate encounter mm-hmm. and then they they it, it it then Neil you used the phrase last week, go, go, go. They're thrust out, aren't they, from mm-hmm. the room yeah. and on into the into the streets. And because of the, the the festival, there are there are all of these um Jewish believers. So they would be Jewish believers.
1: Yes. In yeah. the city. Yeah. Do you think they were thrust out though, if you're not
0: oh I don't know. I just
1: assumed that. I get the feeling that they were because they were transformed internally, mm-hmm. they went out. Okay, I, like, I think thrust before, was
0: the wrong word. Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah that feels like they were forced. forced whereas, no, I, yes, I yeah, suppose I, get, I just meant that it was a kind of word trying to get an explosion yeah, out is what I was trying to get they're at. Like,
1: everything, everything has changed mm-hmm. and they're talking in these languages and they they go out. so They're no longer the people hiding in the room trying to make the church happen in their own way. God, God's in them so that mm-hmm. they're out there.
0: It doesn't yeah, even say they
1: went out, does it? No. No, just just suddenly they're out. Uh
0: The noise
1: and the,
0: yeah. Yes, that's true. And I think I, I for years, kind of read this and got a bit muddled about what was happening at any given point, so... yeah, it's the point. uh Aha, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, maybe.
2: Mm -hmm. Tell us the exact point at which you moved outside. (laughs) I don't know, I just had a tongue of fire on top of (laughs) me. (laughs) I had to get out of the room. (laughs) And I
1: wonder what they're saying,
2: you know, does it say the great things of God, yeah, that's what it says hmm
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: that's quite that's
1: declaring the wonders of God,
2: that's quite mm-hmm. a broad category, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes,
0: but in such a way that people didn't think, oh, there's a bunch of people declaring the great things of god they they said there's a bunch of people who are drunk,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, um
0: some of them, not all of them,
2: yeah, some people obviously, yeah. Some people Some said, exist. what does this mean? Yeah. And others went, they're filled with new wine.
0: Yeah. yeah. I Did you just say they're it, filled yeah. with new wine?
2: Yeah, that's what it said. They're filled with new wine.
0: Where are you reading that?
2: A verse 13.
0: What version are you They've had too much wine. That is really interesting.
2: Oh, interesting.
0: What version are you reading?
2: A new Revised Standard. Excuse me one minute.
0: That is very interesting. If... if they are actually articulating something about the new wine. It's funny, though,
1: because, I mean, I don't know how much experience I've got of being drunk, but in my experience, I don't think being drunk makes you very articulate. It may do for a little while at the start, or you might believe you're articulate, but drunkenness eventually leads to incomprehension and nonsense. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And and there's I mean there's positive I mean you know you could say well when you're drunk you're less inhibited you express positive emotions of happiness or laughter but there's so much negativity about being drunk you know, like vomiting staggering <laughs> sleepiness you know so yeah. what, what 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 did they mean I I think it must be the uninhibited nature of what they were doing that they didn't care anymore they didn't yes. care who was hearing them. They didn't care that people heard them praising God. They, they were just
2: consumed,
1: as 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 you are if you're consumed with alcohol. That's what's controlling your body. Um, There's also,
2: did you say joy? There's loads of. They must have been pretty happy.
1: Yeah. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Happy, happiness is one of the emotions of initial drunkenness. And,
0: and I know what you mean <laughs> about the speaking nonsense, but there, there is a garrulousness that comes. That's a good word. Thank you. People yeah. can can become very expressive expressive and effusive yeah Mm -hmm. yeah neil has now returned with something
2: so the word for wine is glucose which is very um, related to our word glucose now the word glucose means sweetness so it's sweet new wine in other words it's unfermented juice of grapes so it's it's literally grape juice okay but then why would that make you drunk no i don't quite understand that uh, why would unferm- they be
1: drinking grape juice? I mean, just culturally, I just don't think so.
2: Yeah. Well, apparently <laughs> that's what glucose was—strictly unfermented juice of grapes. Hence, sweet new wine. It's, it's a literal translation. So strange. Yeah.
0: I mean, we could get. Well, yeah. Well, I, mean, I suppose my. <laughs> yeah, but my my. I suppose the interest in it. My interest was piqued, Neil, by the fact that you talked about new wine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's to do with the word sweetness. So the, there must be something to do with the winemaking process that implies that sweet wine is also newer wine. Okay, I think that's it, as okay. opposed to, I guess a
0: well, the, well, I suppose the great, yeah, yeah, uh-huh.
2: kind of sharper wine, which might maybe have been fermented for longer.
0: Yeah. Although, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a viniculturalist, but I, I thought it would be the opposite. But anyway, that's yeah. Anyway, we didn't
2: expect this discussion.
0: We did not, but I suppose again I'm going back to new wine being thinking about what Jesus said about the new wine and the new oh, wine skins. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, I wasn't. I wasn't making that clear. That's what I was. That's what I was curious about.
2: Was yeah. whether there's
0: a there's a link, and yeah. actually, even by asking the question, the people are are understanding, or they're they're witnessing what uh-huh. Jesus has said will happen.
2: Yeah, yeah. Ah. Potentially.
0: So. What we've established, to summarise, they've got <laughs> exuberance, we think, joy, yeah. A- yeah. an uninhibited yeah. ability to speak. And there is something about, potentially, there's potentially something around the new wine thing. Yeah. Um, and then Peter stands up to speak and he immediately goes to this prophecy from Joel.
2: Can I just say a little thing about languages
0: please, first? Is that please, okay? Do. Um Oh, yeah, sorry. We, had to, we just skimmed over that, sorry.
2: Yeah, no, I think there's a whole power to this language thing. And it fascinates me, and well, I know it does both of you, because both of you have have sought to find ways of talking about the great things of God in a language which connects with people trying to get rid of the kind of churchiness. Um, You know, Jen, the the resources you've been involved in, Mm -hmm. uh, Bubblegum and Fluff or Easter Code, it's all about trying to find a, a contemporary language so that your average primary school young person can I think, connect with the mm-hmm. story of Christmas or, or Easter. And Fiona, all the work that you've done with, with drama is about trying to find a language, is it not, which which allows us to connect in a way that sometimes churchiness doesn't. And I, there's such a power to that, I think. For, for me, the, the story that in my life, which most brought this home was when I was in India, I had heard of a guy called Conrad Rundle, who had... Promised to help, he'd had his stuff stolen. So the police had said, um, we need you as a witness in the case. We've caught the person who did it. Can you stay in the, the country whilst the court case comes up? And Conrad said, Yes, but my visa's about to run out. And the police said, It's fine, just stay, we'll sort it out. So he stays, appears in the court case. He then goes to the airport to leave the country. And the people say, Your visa's run out. So they arrested him. <laughs> He's going, I was helping with a court case. We don't care, <laughs> you're going to prison. So this poor chap, who was in his 70s, was in prison. Uh, He lived in the part of India I was in for a while. Um, And I I went to see him. And it was really, really tough. And whilst I was there in the next bit along in this horrible place. I mean, it was a really horrible prison. um, There was a French guy who had been arrested for taking brown sugar, which I think was, was it heroin? I'm not quite sure. Um, and he was looking at 10 year sentence. His family were with him. They'd only been allowed the same amount of time as I had, which was only about two or three minutes. And a, the the guard suddenly appeared and said, you've got to leave. And the family in French, or in, in broken English, are saying to this guard, we have only, we are not going to see our son for another six months. Mm-hmm. And they a couple of Americans who were with me said, Neil, can you do something? Because I had uh, been there a while. And I was really scared because I found the, the whole atmosphere so intimidating. Yeah. And, um, but I said to the guards, um, which means uh, they've got important things to say. Could you give them some more time, please? In the language, Malayalam. And immediately the guard changed. And it, it was all about the language. And he, in the language, he, he said, someone's suddenly speaking to him in his own language. It becomes more human. And he said, yes, you take, take, take more time. That's absolutely fine. And, and it, for me, it was a moment which always spoke to me about the power of language when it's his own language, it, it cuts th- through. And it's so important. Um, I was, hearing recently about Julian of Norwich first person woman ever to write in English and she did it as a mystic because she wanted people to hear about God in their own language mm-hmm. I'm always suspicious of people who say oh I prefer the Bible in the King James Version because it it pushes the Bible away mm-hmm. whereas I think the, the the word of God has to come to us in an immediacy of the of the tongue that we first learned.
0: And and there is a there is a discussion around this, isn't there? That that most people there would have probably understood a bit of Greek.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's because right. Because if they were able
0: to travel yeah. through, mm-hmm. or they would have understood a bit of Latin. You know, there yeah, yeah, would have been quite a lot of common language mm-hmm. yeah. that would have been understood. And yet, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's not that when they spoke, suddenly everybody was able to understand Greek.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was when they yeah. spoke,
0: everybody heard it in their in their mother tongue, isn't it? In their yeah. in their it's, heart language, I suppose. Yeah, the heart language is so important to Bible societies around the world.
1: You know. I don't know but people listening or what, what experience of Bible translation is, but that that's what so many Bible societies are aiming to do, is for people to have the Bible in their heart language, the language that they speak in, that they live their lives through. I hadn't thought about that for this passage, Neil, until you told that story. Mm-hmm. I was more interested in, you know, are, they, are the disciples all speaking some kind of heavenly language? And then everybody hears it in their language or or has each disciple got a different language that they're speaking? But maybe that isn't really the point. <laughs> the point is that they're hearing it. They're hearing the wonders of God in their heart language.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's, is it an anti-Babel?
2: Yes, yeah. I think I think there's an element of that going on where Babel is about the attempt at all having the same language so there's a kind of crushing of diversity whereas this is almost an endorsement of of diversity but suddenly the the diversity of language becomes a a sense of possibility rather than dispersal that there's a unit there's a unity within the diversity that also happens so yeah it's it's really interesting isn't it It undoes the curse of babel and it's god's gift of different languages
1: and when we were in bolivia we went with the bible society there to visit schools where the Bible Society were bringing children's Bibles to the schools in the indigenous language of the area of Bolivia, because Bolivia is is dominated by Spanish and Spanish would historically have been seen as the sort of the language of the wealthy, the language of the influential, but the indigenous languages are now being promoted and encouraged, but there's a real the people who speak them need to be given confidence Mm. you know, that this is your language, and it matters. And mm-hmm. so, for the Bible Society to go and, and bring Bibles to these children that they can read the wonders of God in their language makes a huge difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not the language of the. Be careful with our words, but the, or the oppressor of the yes. or the influential. Mm-hmm. It's their it's their language.
0: Yes, yes.
2: It's it's also why I always we'll want to defend translations of the Bible that really go far with that. So things like the message translation, which sometimes people look down on because it's it's quotes, a paraphrase. Um, I, I love the fact that Eugene Peterson did that with, with such dynamism or, or from an earlier generation, J.B. Phillips translation. I, I love children's Bibles because for me, they, they carry the, yes, I know that the word order and the exact parallels are not always there, but the the dynamism. It, it's mm-hmm. this moment and you know if you if you if you're desperate about word order and and completely accuracy then just have a look at a peter's translation of psalm 16 later on you know that it's not word for word perfect but the mm-hmm. sense is there and the power of it is mm-hmm.
0: there. yeah yeah
1: yeah and the new international readers version um which dear theo and joseph and the triumph of grace our publications are it's that translation i was speaking to someone um the other day who said that he's, I mean, he's an educated adult male you know he's he's a very very influential job in the nhs but he finds reading not the easiest thing to do and he finds the new international readers version um so much more accessible but he says sometimes in his church people um criticize him (laughs) for reading that but that that, that's that for him is is a bit like the heart language Mm. and for me the nirv it was it was created with a group of eight-year-olds on the committee Wow. Um, to help choose words and lengths of sentences. So I'm all for that. Can I just
0: add my... <laughs> well, I know what you're going to say. I know. I, I just, it doesn't flow in the ear, but that's just my... But away. do something else okay, for reading it's a... out.
1: It's for reading. Yes. It's for you to read yourself. Oh, for reading, in... yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. And the wee girl I, I was sitting with who was reading Dear Theo, and she said to me, is this like, is this like a Bible? And I said, yes, it is. It's about the Bible. And she said, but it's like a normal book.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was great. Well, no, that is good. That's good. <laughs> I'm so, interest,
2: Fiona, sorry yes. to just, I'm curious because you often get asked to read uh, scriptures in all sorts of different places. What uh-huh. is your? What's if you if it's up to you? What what version do you use?
0: It depends. I think it depends on the context, which I suppose is really what you're saying too, Jen, isn't it? That yeah. I, th- I am I would go NIV. I I just I just like NIV. I like NIV UK, mm-hmm. yeah. which is I think for for you know eye reading <laughs> what do we call that silent reading and um, that that helps me as a british person it's also um, inclusive language and it's more inclusive version. in its language yeah yeah but i mean i'm pretty easygoing but i i do find the nirv it's just it's because this it's because the sentences are so short yep. which I, I understand the rationale behind that i think it just doesn't necessarily flow in the ear
2: yeah I've always quite liked the I mean quite of the often English, though actually, neil i mean it's the it's right. the
0: old business of the modern world that we live in quite often if it, if you're being asked to read something for broadcast purposes, you need to go with the translation that the 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 person has the right okay to use yeah. that would only be if you were reading a huge chunk though. Good. Okay. So, so the people are hearing in their own languages, and actually, I, I've just been thinking about this as we've been speaking. What they're hearing is the the proclamation of the greatness of God, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, it? So we've not yet moved into Peter actually addressing the crowd. Let's move to that now. So he he goes into he starts by saying, right. Let's just set the context. They're not drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what's happening, um, and then he he immediately goes to this prophecy from from Joel. Why?
2: Well, partly because it, it uses the word spirit, yeah, wind uh, in in Hebrew. So it's the day of the wind and it's it's a day. It's also just a fantastic prophecy, isn't it? It's so inclusive. It's young men, old women, um, slaves and free and, and picks up this whole idea of, of the universality. No one's going to be left out here. And then it moves into that much darker tone, doesn't it, about the uh-huh. sun and the moon and the stars. And... I think what's helped me read these sorts of passages recently is somebody drawing attention to the fact that very often um, prophets talked about changes in heavenly bodies to talk about massive changes that were happening on earth. So if a Mm -hmm. ruler was changed, that people would talk about the stars falling or something like that. There was this idea that the great power structures of earth had their heavenly representatives. So I, I see this as a picture of the great power structures of earth, the great divisions, the great way that we look at the world and say, well, that's just the way it is and you can't change it. All of that's been changed.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it feels experiential. It feels like mm. he's describing something here of what they have just experienced. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before they've come out, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah. if it just said, you know, if you missed out, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. It, I don't know, it just gives it a kind of boof. Oh, and it, it takes away any sense that this is anodyne or mm-hmm. easy or comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and also at the end of it, in verse, so verse 21, as we have it in Acts 2, we've got this call for a personal response, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. And immediately. I'm he's saying that. And that's going to happen in uh-huh. just a little while.
1: In that place, there's going to be people who are changed, thousands yes. of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No I've recently lit on the word saved as one of the most important words that the church has to claim. Uh, I, th- I think too often Jesus saves has been seen as a kind mm. of um, slogan, uh, an easy catchphrase. I remember when I first became a Christian uh, I was working in Safeway in Cumbly Bank as it was in Edinburgh and uh, the, the woman in the delicatessen came up to me and said, "Oh, I didn't know you'd been saved," and then walked off again. <laughs> I Thought, oh, what a horrible <laughs> word to use. But, but I think it's come to mean more and more to me because to be saved is to say that Jesus does the thing I am desperate to be done. Mm-hmm. I, I need. It's a it's a word about being rescued. It, it's all encompassing. It means liberation of captivity. It means escape from prison. It means my sins are forgiven it means I'm healed it means death is done away with it's such just to say Jesus saved immediately ask the question saved from what and mm-hmm. then you get this whole thing range of possibilities and metaphors so mm-hmm. I, I love it as a, a word and, um, and, and I love that that's the, the ending of Joel here you're going to be saved Saved from what? Well, let's talk about this. Everything you want to be saved from. It's
0: a way in, isn't it, for him yeah. to then go on. And and he, and Jen, before we came, um, I was going to say he came on here, before we, we started recording, you wanted to talk about the fact that he, he talks a lot about David in this next section, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah,
1: I hadn't noticed that at all before. Um, mm.
0: That's his focus. And it's, it's partly that
1: the people listening are all Jewish people at a Jewish festival, and so they know about david and he he so he speaks to them again just like we talked about language he speaks to them about stuff that they they're going to connect with you with but david is the connection right mm. down to jesus and are they are they all uh, culturally is that him connecting with where they they are as well that they're looking they're, they've been looking and waiting for this for david to return and they've actually missed him unfortunately but they haven't missed him because he's still there
2: It's such an interesting take, isn't it, that there's this psalm, which um, could just be interpreted in a kind of scaled down, symbolic way, you know, my my soul will not taste death, your holy one will not experience corruption in the the Hebrew, I think it's closer to faithful one, but... um, and Peter goes, "Ha! He can't have been talking about himself, can he? Because David's tomb is here. We know that he's died, and and therefore he must be talking about someone else. Mm. Let me tell you who he's talking about. And and it, I don't know. I just find it such an interesting interpretation of Scripture. It's not. It's not obvious interpretation, I don't think. Yes.
0: Well, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> that is taking the obvious. I suppose you know. It's the thing where you remember later on in Acts, well. Peter's referred to as being unschooled, isn't he? Mm. So he's not. He's not sort of set about. I must craft that sermon that I'm going to <laughs> yeah, speak at, yeah. at the Festival of Pentecost. I need to do a little bit more work on that. Do you know there is that? there, there is this spontaneity of it, mm. which is not to say that it's all coming from a spontaneous place, is it? Because it is coming from his knowledge of Jesus. It's coming from the the yeah. infilling of the Spirit. But it, it sort of feels as though it's 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 all just coming together for Peter, even as he's even as he's saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Although you know that he. I
1: mean, only three years with Jesus, but we don't have all the records of no, all we the things they talked about. uh uh-huh. And although it is spontaneous and spirit filled, this is an outpouring of a life's part of his life spent with Jesus, uh-huh. isn't it? Uh-huh. Is it? Jesus, you wonder, did Jesus, Jesus, say these very wor- these similar words to him?
0: Uh huh. And it's But it's an interesting thing that Peter, the one who always kind of jumped ahead and kind of got it wrong often, he's the one who's able to, in the power of the Spirit, after this transformational experience, he's suddenly able to to make sense of what he's yeah. experienced in order that other people can respond to that too.
2: Yeah. Did did um Jesus ever say the line, you know the bit that says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. I can't remember if that's Psalm 2 or Psalm 110. Um, didn't Jesus quote that when it's 110. he One hundred and ten. Yeah. Did he have a? Did he not have a discussion with the, the argument with the Pharisees where he said, "Go and find out what this means." So Jesus had referred to that, I think.
0: Yes, it it I, feels I, familiar. It does feel familiar, but I'm yes. You, I'm we're bowing to your. <laughs> I, well, I, my question. Really? I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> greater question. Trying to see. Looking up another book. I, the Bible. Oh, the Bible. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> But he doesn't. He 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 goes. He goes to to these particular psalms, and he doesn't. I I was kind of struck by the fact that Pentecost does have a uh resonance with harvest, and it does have a resonance with with Moses. But he doesn't go to Moses, and the law, yeah. and Sinai. He 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 takes it to the expectation of the king and the and the line of the king, and he also takes it um to to the place of resurrection as well, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Within yeah. that psalm, that's that yeah
2: yeah. So Jesus in arguing with the Pharisees in Matthew 22, says, what do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David, by the Spirit, interesting connection with the Spirit, Mm -hmm. calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer. Mm. But what's interesting is Peter has clocked that, thought about this, and now this sermon here is almost the answer to that question.
0: Yeah. And particularly, I think, in verse 36, because mm-hmm. he says in, in my NIV version, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified. So he doesn't pull his punches with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Both Lord and Messiah. So he, he, he calls them by both of these
2: yeah.
0: titles. And he gets it so right, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Because
1: the response is, they were
0: cut
2: to the heart
1: and said, what shall we do?
0: And there, and there is then something they can do. So the, the idea of the repentance, of turning around and being baptized.
2: Yeah, he doesn't turn around and say, too late. You should uh-huh. have thought of that
0: uh-huh. a while uh-huh. back, uh-huh.
2: which is a, a wonderful... I mean, that's the gospel, isn't it? The gospel is never saying, too late. You had mm-hmm. your chance. Yeah.
0: Yes, because that's right. And repent and be baptized, it's that idea, isn't it, of the, the turning away, but also the, the fresh start.
2: Yeah,
0: there, there's a there's a putting behind, but there's a going forward.
2: And I like the idea that some of that crowd who who shouted "Crucify him," mm. mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks later, found themselves at the feet of Peter, going, "I'm sorry, it was me."
0: It's incredible, um, isn't it? Yeah. So, it's, and it's, and remarkable that mm. that the the fruit of that yeah is the three thousand. Yeah. About three thousand added. What I I can't even picture what that might be like to suddenly have a congregation of three thousand people <laughs> when you've been twelve plus in a room. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's a step up.
0: You would need some immediate right. Okay, how are we going to do this? Well, that's what happens you in can't all, chapter you know, six, doesn't it? Because yes. it all
2: kind of breaks down.
0: Yeah. yeah, and there must have been a sort of you know, let's passing to one passing to another kind of household household stuff going on.
2: The role keeper. The <laughs> <laughs> role keeper, church, right. you'd, you'd have been sending her for a new subscription in church suite. <laughs> Sorry, I hope that's not too irreverent. That's, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, well, they are right in there, though, aren't they? The new family.
2: Yeah. They're right yeah.
1: into the teaching and the breaking of bread and prayer.
2: Yeah, they're right at the heart of things immediately, yep. aren't they? They're not like, wait wait three years and then you'll, you'll get a job yep. to do.
0: Uh-huh and and it is corporate living isn't it so it's they're in and out of each other's houses and they're eating together and they're so it's it's not sort of well well if you come back here in a week's time we'll we'll wait for the spirit to come again you know so it's it's this is a whole life a whole life whole age thing isn't it
2: yeah and it's not the case that this was often one of the the problems that people had with mass evangelism was that you had this phenomenal stadium experience and then the next week you were in a, a musty Kirkho- church hall in partick it's it's uh, <laughs> very specific sorry yeah. to choose partick um <laughs> but a uh, yeah it was this is now we're doing it here we're, yeah. this is it here yeah yeah
0: which yeah and it's the transformation thing isn't it that the, the, again come back to that repentance idea isn't it there's no sense of of going back or of gradually being changed there is a change happens and then and then you move. Forward from that, isn't
1: there? Culturally, I mean it must have been the built environment and the the weather environment must have helped as well though. I
2: uh-huh. remember
1: talking to a, f- a friend from Australia about church church getting together in Australia and she said, I mean, it was just sunny all the time. So after church people would just go to people's deckings and gardens and hang out. You didn't have to all fit in the house. Mm. And that sounds really, really simplistic, but it, it's a huge for us in the in Scotland, you know, we go in and we shut our doors. And, and it's a big thing to invite people in yeah. mm. to that space. I'm, yeah. You know, I imagine this context on the day of Pentecost, there was much more milling around and open courtyards and not as many doors. And so actually just being together like this mm-hmm. could have happened more easily. I suppose the challenge for us is how do we, when we don't live in that kind of culture, make that being together possible?
2: Yeah, as in
0: where where are our public spaces? Yeah,
1: and why it because it becomes such an effort sometimes. Yeah, I was very conscious
2: of that something. in India. the 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 front room of the house faced right on to where you were. It was deliberately designed to have lots of people in it, and there were always loads of folding chairs in the back to to have people come in. And, and you're right, we're not set up for that.
0: I think we got more so during COVID. Oh, A lot doing of it outside, people meeting in their gardens, and yeah, yeah. yeah find... You know, we can when we set our minds to want to meet, we mm. can do it. Yeah. That's not to dismiss the the, the, the hurdles, because there are hurdles, aren't there?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um, Neil, did you want to say something about the, how we idealise the early church?
2: Yeah, the, I was very conscious a number of years ago, reading a lot of books which kept saying, we need to get back to the early church. And they were, they were quite, they're often quite anti-institutional. And um, they were, they were, people with scars. <laughs> one of the main persons had a very big scarf and <laughs> and lots of diagrams
0: i thought you were going to say people with scars as in as yeah, in, yeah. you know they were scarred scarf. emotionally scarred scarves um,
2: <laughs> and it was this attempt to to create the 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 first church and it there was a kind of idealism that we'll all just get together and do stuff and i suppose well firstly i actually tried that as well a few friends of mine lived in community and a common bank account um it's very hard to sustain, yeah. And it, what always struck me was that the Jerusalem Church, which is great, but was gone within a generation, because it never fully grasped. I think, I mean, there were other things. I mean, the the, the conquest, of the you know, political events had a massive part in that, but and they never, yeah, persecution, the the Romans coming, but they never fully grasped what it was to have a a gospel which belonged to the Gentiles as well. We note that in Pentecost, these are still devout Jews. They might have been belonged in other countries, but they're still devout Jews. And as you read Acts, and particularly towards the end, there, there always seems a slight reluctance for the Gentiles to come in. There seems to be moments where the Jerusalem church gets it, and then they kind of slide back to this kind of more divided idea. And I always love the fact that it's Paul's churches in all their messiness which which ultimately become the ones which give birth to the wider church. And so for all that I'm inspired by the idealism of the, of the Jerusalem church, I suppose I quite like the fact that it's the messiness of the Corinthian church mm-hmm. which ends up being the one which carries us forward.
0: I, I agree, but... but... Well, no, it's just a passing thought that that all of these people would then go back to where they came from, and later on in Acts, you do read about Paul going looking for the Jewish community,
2: and yeah. sometimes
0: you come across these encounters where people have, you know, they've heard of John's baptism but not they obviously they're not the ones who're here, but there there is there's something of the going out
2: from yeah, this the, chapter. Yeah, the the only thing but, I is... disagree
0: with what you're saying about the idealization of the, the early church, but something happened that day yeah that, yeah, that, that yeah already was sowing the seeds in the empire right
2: yeah although what's interesting is this scene gets kind of repeated again in chapter four it does seem to be the the jerusalem-based ones now yes. that they're all meeting together and having yeah yes. no i i they, yeah there's clearly a dispersal they're not going to stay there forever are they no all the no. perthians and cappadocians and phrygians and all them the yeah
0: yeah and and but there are also, you know, it's not throwing at the baby with the bathwater, isn't it? Because there are those sort of marks of well meeting together, breaking mm-hmm. bread together,
2: mm-hmm.
0: acts of service, um, generosity, th- gathering around the Bible, prayer. These these are all principles and and pillars that we would we would say were functional parts yeah, of every, I, every I expression think, of the church, right?
2: Yeah, I think what I'm pushing against is sometimes. Let's just ditch
0: the institution.
2: Yeah, and this is kind of used as a kind of slightly oppressive, well, you're not the Jerusalem church, so Uh you're pretty rubbish. Uh It's that kind of, yeah, I want to aim towards this, but sometimes I think it gets used in a slightly oppressive way, which just makes you feel, oof.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, We're going to draw the conversation to a close. Uh, We haven't really had time to delve into much around... um, you know what's happening in terms of the the speaking in tongues, l- other languages. We might come back and touch on that again at a at a later point in terms of what we different different views that people might have on on the continuation of the of the work of the spirit. Um, genuinely, we have run out of time for that. <laughs> it's not, excuse. not that I'm just shutting it down because I don't want to you know court controversy. But you know, I think that was something else we had that we we, we could also have talked about is um, how much how much do we see. Uh, the continuation of what happens in Acts 2 mm-hmm. um, rolling out across history and, and globally. Um, takeaways? I think the whole, um,
1: the the weirdness of what's going on. My son often says to me that we're far too busy as Christians trying to be normal. And, and you know, I understand why we try to be normal because we are normal. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. not exceptional people. We're just people who follow Jesus. But maybe I know what he means. He means we're too bothered trying to fit in and just look the same. And actually this story reminds us that being a follower of Jesus does make us weird. There's weird things going on. And not weird and negative, but like amazing weirdness. And maybe Mm -hmm. I should, yeah, I need to to talk to God about that and open, open myself to more wild things that he might be able, he is able to do. Because mm-hmm. if we believe this, well, you might believe this was just for then. That's a discussion we haven't had. but yes. <laughs> um, I I don't th- I don't believe that. I don't th- I don't believe that. So what is God wanting to do in the, in me and in the situations I'm in that might look a bit more odd, really, to our yeah. current culture?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I had a friend who uh, planted a church, and one of the three founding principles was expect the supernatural.
0: Yeah. yeah. I also find it helpful. I remember somebody once speaking about, you know, we, we think about, oh, I don't want to be, I, I want to be normal, mm-hmm. but actually in the full sense of what it means to be uh, uh, made in the image of God, being normal is living with the spirit and, you know, living that, what seems a bit odd, actually that's normal. What's abnormal is to be in rebellion against God.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, the, yeah what, it's just the Watchman Nee wrote the book, The Ordinary Christian Life or The Normal Christian Life, which was making that exact point.
0: Okay. Yeah. This is
2: what you should expect.
0: Yeah. Neil, what's your takeaway? Heart language. Heart language. Okay.
2: Yeah. Heart language. Cool. The whole heart language chat.
0: Yeah. I, well, I was really struck by you saying about the, the, the use of the word saved. I want to think oh, about yeah. that a little bit more because I think, um, yeah, it's, it, not just what we're saved from, what we're saved for. Mm. What is that? How do we find language to articulate that to people around us?
2: Yeah. Yeah. that's
0: that's my that's my degree. Lovely. Good. Well, thank you both very much. Jen, um we've delighted that you've got your new segment. We have our um tune for it, the stinger for it. Uh, so I think Without further ado, it's time for... What's the Gen? Trying to what's keep up with gen? reports, trends, research good? findings what's and the latest happening? thoughts? No time to read research? or listen to all that what's valuable content? About? Look no what's further. What's the, what's the Gen will keep you up to date, in touch and on the ball. What's the Gen? Your guide to current thinking. Jen, what headlines are you bringing us today? Uh, a book that was written,
1: I mean, 2010. That, that's quite a wee while ago, Eighties isn't it? Years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. By Kenda. Kenda Chrisy Dean, Almost Christian, What the Faith of Our Teenagers is Telling the American Church. Now, this is based on research that was done in the States with thousands of teenagers, and not just teenagers of Christian faith, but of other faiths too. And they had lots and lots of conversations with young people and what their faith meant to them and how they expressed their faith. And you, you, it's quite a big book. You probably don't want to read it. Well, maybe you do want to read it, but you don't have to read it because Kenda made a video that I think is think on the Evangelical Alliance website, which we'll try and struggle to find the link for, um, of summarising the sort of key points of this research. And really to summarise, uh, the youth groups are not everything. Now, I love youth groups. I'm part of a youth group with as a leader. Um, and they're, they are really important to create that peer environment for young people as they get to know Jesus better. But she said, just the youth group on its own is never going to be enough. Uh, these young people, the ones who had a faith that went on into adulthood, um, not that that you know, faith matters when you're a teenager, I'm not, I'm not diminishing that, but faith that lasts, or sticky faith, which the Fuller Youth Institute have developed around this research. A faith that goes on with Jesus is because of conversations with adults and other people of different ages in a congregation. And so... Although we still want to have youth groups, we need to look beyond that. We need to create like, tables, really, places of community, again, uh, where we sit and have these conversations. So Kenda Creasy-Dean, uh, what the Faith of American Teenagers is telling the church is well worth uh, seeing a summary of that. And, and although it's a wee while ago, it's still really relevant. It's, it's, what they found was that loads of young people went to youth groups, but then they got to university or work or other bits of adulthood, and it was just something in the past. It wasn't something that stuck with them. So we need to create these spaces where we have conversations and ask difficult questions and do all that exploring that we try to do here on the podcast. There
0: you go. Sharing the Bible. Yeah. That's what we're all about. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Well, thank you both very much for joining us. Next time we will be discussing, listen up you two, Acts chapter 3 verse 1 through to Acts chapter 4 verse 31. So it's not just the next chapter. It's quite uh-huh. long, Act three one through to four thirty one. Well, I basically, it went with the divisions that John Stott uses in his commentary. All right, so it's not my it's not my idea, <laughs> <laughs> but I felt that was a trustworthy, <laughs> trustworthy breakdown. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening, and uh, join us next time. The Outspoken Bible is a podcast from Scottish Bible Society. To find ways you can share the Bible, go to scottishbiblesociety.org.